Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Fired, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about something that everyone has experienced, at least if you've driven in a car, and that is traffic lights. And the question I want to start with is, are modern traffic lights designed so that cars don't have to endlessly wait at red lights when there's no traffic approaching on you know, the green light side? You know, many are. And what you're asking is about the intersections that have those sensors, which need to be triggered to begin the whole cycle of switching from red to green. One good example might be saying when you're exiting a busy parking lot. You know, during business hours, you need the light. But when the businesses are closed, there's no point in stopping traffic on that road. So yes, some do have sensors that make them a little smarter. Okay, you said some, uh, which suggests not all. Are there just a couple of smart traffic lights or are most now smart these days? So looking at New York City, for example, there are a total of 12,460 intersections and 7,660 are smart, or what they call signalized intersections. So over 60% in that case. They are controlled by a central computer network and monitored actually by traffic management centers. So let's ELI-5 how these sensors work. I used to wonder, is there a pressure pad underneath the tarmac or underneath the pavement that gets pressed or something like that? You know, I used to think the same thing. I remember trying to jump on the supposed pressure pad, but it's not pressure related actually at all. Nothing to do with applying any kind of force. There are different types of sensors, but the most common type uses what's called an induction loop. It's an electrically conducting loop kind of embedded in the pavement. And this loop sends a signal to the traffic control system when the presence of a vehicle on top of it causes magnetic interference. Oh, so it's magnetic. That's interesting. Uh, What does it look like? Can you tell if you're at an intersection that has an induction loop sensor? You can often tell, yes. If a traffic signal is using an inductive loop sensor, there will be a marking, usually in the shape of a triangle, circle, diamond, or square on the road itself. It's typically a bit smaller than the outline of a car, and you can usually see an outline visible in the pavement in each lane of an intersection that uses this type of sensor, especially on older roads where they will have made an incision to kind of insert the loop, then filled it back up with a black kind of filler. So how does an induction loop detector actually function? Can you explain that? Yeah, so when a vehicle passes over the loop or is stopped within the loop, there's two things that happen. Some of the vehicle's ferrous body material increases the loop's inductance. Mainly we're talking about the engine here. But more importantly, the peripheral metal of the vehicle basically has an opposite effect of decreasing the whole inductance due to the eddy currents that are produced. So what is the net effect? The net effect is an overall reduction in the inductance of the wire loop when there is a vehicle there. And the decrease in inductance decreases the electrical impedance of the wire to alternating current, and this informs the electronics unit to send a signal to the traffic signal controller signifying the passage or presence of a vehicle. And how accurate is it? Does this induction method get things wrong very much? Well, it's actually fairly accurate. The relatively crude nature of this loop means that Small metal masses cannot trigger the relay. And this is really good in that the loop does not produce very many false positive triggers. For example, if you're just a pedestrian crossing the loop with a pocket full of loose metal coins or something. Uh, But there may be some false negative issues. So bicycles, scooters, and motorcycles 
stopped at such intersections are often undetected, unfortunately. Ah, that's why you hear motorcyclists sometimes complaining or waiting uh, at certain traffic lights for a long time. Uh, now, you did say that inductive loops were the most common types of sensors, um, but what are the other ones and are they more accurate? Yeah, so there are microwave and infrared sensors, which usually need to be installed overhead, above the lane. And then video cameras, which are also becoming increasingly popular as the software and hardware becomes better and cheaper. These other sensors are generally cheaper to install than inductive loop sensors, but not as accurate. The big issue is their performance varies with things like temperature, humidity, visibility, and other weather factors. The sensors themselves are one important component of how traffic lights work, but there's actually another really interesting topic, which is the coordination of the entire system. So maybe we should touch on that before we finish. Absolutely. If you think about it, there are lots of different ways that traffic lights can be configured. And let's start with a single intersection, right? Before we talk about coordination across, say, a whole city. A common setup is to have it be partially time-based and partially traffic-based. Why have it partially time-based? Why not have it entirely just based on the sensors that we just talked about? Ah, well, it sounds like you've had the experience of sitting at a light knowing that you triggered a sensor, but having the light still cycle through its various phases. Yes, that has definitely happened to me. So the reason is, it's not just you at that individual intersection that the system has to consider. There are other lights down the road too. Mm. So when you get really good at this, you introduce the concept of something called coordinated control. Ah, you mean how sometimes the traffic lights all conspire against me to be red every time I get to an intersection? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, ideally, you want exactly the opposite, right? A coordinated system is actually designed to give a driver a green wave, essentially a progression of 100% green lights. So unlike older systems, which have a synchronized signals all changing at the same time, these coordinated systems are controlled from a master controller and are set up so lights cascade in sequence, so platoons of vehicles can proceed through a continuous series of green lights. And lights are timed in such a way that motorists can drive through with stopping if... If... if what? Well, if their speed is lower than a given limit. <laughs> I see what you're saying there. Okay, final question. Do emergency vehicles have ways to alter traffic lights to get preferential treatment? Oh yes, yes, this is possible. They call this traffic signal preemption and prioritization. And they provide a way to manipulate traffic signals in the path for an emergency vehicle. Now old systems used and still sometimes use acoustic systems to actually listen out for a siren or other acoustic signal. But this is of course means every traffic light that can hear the signal is being preempted. Now, radio combined with GPS is a more modern way that those systems work. Mm, I see. That's helpful. So we'll all be looking out for those inductive loop sensors now when we stop at a traffic light. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to the wonderful community at r slash explain like I'm five on Reddit. We will see you all next week. <laughs>